This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver. 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 El Rey and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our Church of Its Livestream directory. Expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio. Building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you. Marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround. And most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or connection to others, Please email me at Mike Lee at KPDQ.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at KPDQ.com. And every so often, I have a past guest refer one to interview in the future. So in this case, I'd like to welcome Dr. Dave Metzger, who is a missionary, church planter, pastor, professor, mentor, and is serving in the ministry training network. So welcome, Dr. Dave. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Mike. It's just uh, so fun to be here with you and with our listeners. I'm just looking forward to this time with you. Myself as well. Thanks for coming out. First of all, what exactly is Ministry Training Network? It was developed several years ago to focus on discipleship. John and Sonia Decker in Bend, Oregon, uh, wrote Doing What Jesus Did and also began to train in their local church, uh, Bend uh, Foursquare Church. I think it's called Westside Foursquare. And out of that came 72 lessons to lay foundation for Christian living, uh, for following Jesus. Uh, and then uh, at that time, six ministry skills, now expanded to eight ministry skills, so that people can do uh, what Jesus did, so that they can lead someone to Christ cast out a demon, uh, uh, pray for a sick person, expect them to be healed, lead somebody into the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and uh, hear God's voice, and so on. That developed into a uh, ministry that has impacted 104 countries, 170,000, let's see, no, 14 million people in 170,000 churches. So we are very encouraged by the numbers of people around the world that take this course free uh, online. So this is absolutely free, which is not to knock any services out there that require payment. But this is an amazing feat that it was on your heart to make this free of charge, and you're able to pull it off. So congratulations. Well, That's huge. Mike, we, we want uh, Jesus's life to be available. And I have to say that I'm part of the team. I'm not actually leading it. Uh, there, there are others. Uh, but I, I love being part of the team, and we are uh, f- full speed ahead. Our next project will be a pre-deployment training so that a missionary, church planter, pastor can go through this training four months or online and be able to have that last preparation before they go. And it is high impact, so we're really excited about that as well. 
So are there certain dates that are coming up that we should be aware of? Well, fortunately not, because the uh, the uh, Doing What Jesus Did is right online, ministrytraining.org, and it's there for you whenever you sign up and go for it. They're all ready to be used. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. We, so just out of curiosity, you mentioned that that's a four-month program for these aspiring missionaries. Did you ever have anyone take the course and say, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe God's not calling me off to the mission field after all. In fact, it is designed to help people know they may need another year. They may need to work on their marriage, uh, that they're going to serve God uh, to relieve guilt rather than that they're really called. Uh, Some of those kind of things. So we do want to be careful who actually gets released into a major ministry. You know what? I've had people I've cared about go off to the mission field, and I remember my old church on the East Coast praying over one couple in particular and going home from church that day and having my wife say, you know what? I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but in my gut, I just feel that this isn't going to work. And we felt bad for thinking that and saying it out loud, but you know what? My wife is on in in this one friend's case. So I think it's wonderful that you put together – these resources, you and your team at Ministry Training Network, to really give these aspiring missionaries the big picture before they hit the ground, which is a separate, different, noble, and honorable calling in and of itself. So good job on your part, Dr. Dave. And that website is ministrytraining.org. That's ministrytraining.org. And you've got a very pretty website on your own at davemetzger.com, which I will spell Dave. <laughs> M-E-T-S-K-E-R dot com. Yeah, we broke all the rules on spelling that one. So, like you, my wife has German roots. So, most Metzgers I knew are with a G-E-R or a G-A-R. Something so like that. Do you yeah. have some kind of uh, well, roots along those lines? I've, yeah, I think uh, the German was Butcher, uh, Mezger, and somehow somebody in my lineage butchered it, and we came <laughs> up with M-E-T-S-K-E-R. So, DaveMetzger.com. And among other things, you've got lovely pictures. There's one of you and your wife that stands out in my mind, brief histories and things like that. But I want to hear it from your mouth. Mm. So who is Dave Metzger and how did you get started? Thanks for asking. I grew up in a mainline denominational church and uh, was pretty faithful. Folks uh, went for many years. Uh, By the time I was 15, I felt like I wanted out. I I felt now I know the word is religious, but I didn't know that word at the time. I just knew there was a, that it wasn't life. It was uh, going through the motions, kind of an advanced country club. And what I really felt is that I knew I would go to hell when I died because uh, I wasn't good enough. And so that's the message I got from being raised in that particular church, which now I know did not have the authority of the Bible. So when you lose the authority of the Bible, there's not much left, just nice people doing nice things. A couple years later, a friend of mine opened a conversation with me about God, and he marveled, uh, we were in high school, he marveled at the wonder of his hand that this same part of our body that can write with an ink pen could also lift heavy weights at the gym. And he, he just... He just, uh, it was real wonder, real marvel, and he went off to sleep, and I was kind of thinking about God, uh, and I was still interested, because I'd I'd been kind of raised in a church, 
And so I asked, God, are you real? And I just kind of spoke into the air. I just thought about my hand and that there's no pulleys that make my arm work. Somehow those ligaments make my arm go up and down. doesn't make any. And I asked again, God, are you real? And uh, just thought some more about God. Looking out the window at the beautiful mountains there in Colorado. Uh, it, w- it was just a wonderful time of the year. A third time I said, God, are you real? And he answered. Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but there was a joy uh, all over me, a, kind of a power. My heart was racing. And the joy was so strong that there were tears in my eyes like those when you laugh really hard. And, and these tears, and all I could say was, you're real, you're real, you're really real. And so that was a pretty broad vocabulary for a high schooler. But I met the one true real God. It was unforgettable. And in fact, here's the sad thing, Mike. I didn't know who to share this story with. Because I didn't know anybody who knew a real God, or a God that was that real, that he invaded our personal lives. And so I I kept it to myself. Uh, About a week later, I talked to the guy who was talking about his hand to me, and I said, uh, hey, Chris, God really touched me. And Chris just kind of blew it off, like, of course God's real. Well, that wasn't the case in my life. I didn't know much of anything. And so that started a journey of trying to find that God because of that joy, that power. Okay, I want to know more. Uh, I tried a couple of things. I tried, uh, I invested in a, a bit of a cult. I'm glad I figured out that that was also more religion, but in a different direction, more man-made stuff. And then I found a church that was really legalistic. Now, I didn't know that word then, but they followed a lot of rules. What they wore, what they listened to, where they went, what they did. I thought, whoa, these people must have a real God because they sure do have a lot of laws and rules and regulations. Well, what I found out is that they had a lot of laws, all right, but I didn't find any real God in there at all, just a bunch of laws. And so I exited that and was pretty much on my own. I didn't know who to talk to. Uh, I went off into the Air Force, and my grandfather gave me a little Bible. Back in those days, I think uh, in that World War II day, Bibles were something of a good luck charm, kind of like a, what is it, a rabbit's foot? So I had this little good luck charm, and I took it with me uh, in the Air Force. And, and when I finally made it to Homestead Air Force Base in uh, Miami, Florida, uh, I had it on uh, a, some kind of desk near where I was, and a guy saw it, struck up a conversation with me as though I were this amazing Christian because I had a Bible, and he soon found out I didn't know anything. I didn't have a clue. Uh, You know, just because you have a Bible doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. It just means you have a certain possession. And so he quickly learned that I was over his head in questions because I wasn't up for any kind of church or any kind of what I'll call religion, man-made or outward uh, Southern hospitality, Southern go to church. Uh, I was out. I wanted something real. So I was over his head. He brought me to Bob. And Bob had been a Marine and he knew how to witness. Remember, the, we used to use that word witness and follow up. 
And so he would come to my room uh, once a week and do follow-up and answer my questions as I began reading the Bible. I had so many questions like, like I, I wanted to know why we were reading Paul's letters, because isn't that reading somebody else's mail? I mean, is that even right? So he had to just wade through a lot of things. How can we follow this Jesus from a book that's 2,000 years old? He struggled with me, and I struggled with him. Um, kept asking me to come to this Bible study on another night of the week on the camp, on the, I said campus, on the, on the base. And he, uh, I would always say, yeah, I'll come, but of course I would never go. I'm not going to hang up with a bunch of weird people who are having a Bible study on Air Force Base. And so uh, he kept coming to my room, asking questions three months, and then one night he came to my room on the way to that Bible study. I'm so lonely that, uh, yeah, I, I probably needed therapy. I was so lonely, so alone. Uh, my family's way back in Colorado. And he said, hey, you said you were going to come to the Bible study, thought I'd come by and pick you up. Well, he, I, it worked. I, he, he picked me up, and I went to this Bible study, and I, I suppose I haven't uh, missed some kind of gathering ever since. Uh, these were normal guys, not only normal, one of them was a football player. So that was, in my mind, wow, you know, people who actually follow Jesus and yet took hold of life as well. They weren't somehow backburner people. Uh, and, uh, well, it took three more months as they continued to talk about the fact that the Bible is reliable, that Jesus is the way to that God uh, that I had met, and that all I needed to do was dive in. Well, one night uh, there was an invitation, and I said, okay, God, I accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers me. I am in. Uh, take me. Uh, but if Jesus isn't the way, this this quid pro quo, if, if Jesus isn't the way, please show me who is. So I was a guy who had so much doubt and yet a lot of heart. And I said, okay, God, take me. And you know God was faithful and began to shape me, change me, and I continued to grow, continued to read the Bible, uh, and began to see that the Bible worked. It explained the world that we live in. It made sense. Uh, especially the New Testament, of course, and I began to see that, yeah, oh yeah, Jesus, yeah, this this has to be the way. And uh, I became cemented into a faith that took me to the God that I knew was real, changed my whole life. You can grow up outside of the church and not know God. You can also grow up inside the church and not really know God. Great points from Dr. Dave Metzger. He is adventurously serving in the Ministry Training Network. And you can find out more about Dave at his website, DaveMetzger.com, spelled Dave, M-E-T-S-K-E-R.com, as well as MinistryTraining.org. That's MinistryTraining.org. More with Dr. Dave Metzger next on Difference Makers.
Welcome back to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee, and Dr. Dave Metzger is serving in the Ministry Training Network. And before the break, Dr. Dave was giving us his testimony. So he had grown up in Colorado, entered the Air Force, was given a Bible by his grandfather, the equivalent of a rabbit's foot or a good luck charm, and eventually someone saw that on your Air Force base, thought you were this great Christian because you carried a Bible, and very quickly found out that that was not the case. So he introduced you to a former Marine named Bob. So in your lonely Air Force days, what did Bob do for you next? Mike, it's so great to be here and just being with these listeners, and uh, we're just going for it uh, this afternoon. Bob had been trained by the Navigators, which is still around and based in Colorado Springs, and Navigators have been great at teaching people to stay with somebody until they find their way to Jesus, and then stay with them to become solid in their faith. Well, Bob went after me and would come to my room uh, weekly and then uh, invited me to a small group, I mean, seven, eight, six, six, seven, eight guys to study the Bible together. What I learned from Bob was that if a guy will stay with you, uh, you, you, you can figure things out. Uh, I didn't know that other Christians... Uh, I, I say I use the word Christian. It's not a not uh, followers of Jesus. Probably a better word. I didn't realize that other people came to Christ in other ways. Uh, I, I I just began to see that uh, you talk to somebody about faith and and then you you keep at it until they say yes to Jesus. That became very much a part of my DNA. And so for the rest of my, literally for the rest of my life, uh, I began to look for people who uh, wanted what we now might call mentoring or even coaching. Uh, the Bible calls it uh, discipling, disciple-making. I began to look for people who had the potential for saying yes to Jesus or for following him and would stick with them um, uh, to help them grow in their faith, to help them grow in their realities. And it has been quite a life. Uh, I'm very grateful. Yes, I've been a missionary, pastor, church planter, professor, quite a list of things, but the great joys in my life are making disciples, uh, caring about a few people at a time all through my life. And that has made a great impact on them and has kept me alive as well. Because when we share our faith, um, share the books that have impacted us, read the Bible with others, it impacts us, but it, and it really impacts others. As I've seen many people uh, come to Jesus and then go on in their faith, and even some are pastors today or in different ministries because uh, we because I stuck with them, and because others stuck with them, and that's just how it works. If Jesus had twelve, and so eleven uh, became major leaders, which means, by the way, he had a ninety-two percent success rate, then we would do well to figure out one disciple at a time, or eleven disciples. If Jesus did eleven, I'm probably doing good to do five or six, and to stay with them and see them through to leadership. That takes a level of commitment beyond handing out a tract 
or talking mm. to someone for all of 30 or 90 seconds and then moving on to the next. Mm. It's a mentality where you have a heart to actually disciple someone and be able to have tough conversations. So do you think that art is somewhat lost on the modern church today, Dr. Dave? Well, I don't want to pick on the church uh, because a lot of people have come to Jesus through a Sunday morning service, for example. But I will say that we are losing numbers uh, overall. Church attendance is down. Uh, We need to take a look at that, and we need to realize that Gen Z uh, millennials appreciate the one-on-one, even though sometimes it takes a little bit of effort to build that bridge to somebody that's in another culture. Because I'm, I'm older, obviously, so um, I'm in the boomer generation. So I have to build a bridge into that different culture. But it is worth it. And once somebody feels cared about, they don't really care what culture you're in. I lived in Nigeria for years. I I was a different color, different race, different era, all the list goes. But because I cared, I was able to have impact. Same thing here. If we care, we can have impact on a life and multiply that. Jesus cared first. He didn't open up a doctrine. He didn't open up a university. He cared. And that caring makes a difference. That's what discipleship's about. How does that expression go? People don't care about what you know until they know that you care. Yep. And boy, isn't that the truth? That really is. I'm so tickled that you mentioned the Navigators because my delightful brother-in-law came to know the Lord because of the Navigators. And I think maybe decades later, he was able to track down the gentleman who was able to initially bring him to the Lord. Strong Christian today. I love things like that. I love ministries like back in New York, my old church was involved with something called Evangelism Explosion, which at the time was a stupid 20-something. Oh, well, isn't that nice? All right. So my dear friend Norris Harvey actually was all on board. He indeed went door-to-door knocking, sharing about Jesus, and indeed brought someone to the Lord from ringing his doorbell at at first. So I will never discount what God can use. However, I think that that brothers and sisters in Christ, we, the church overall, sometimes – aren't willing or cognizant of the fact that we do need time with something, not to say, I'm going to share with Jesus about you, and then if you don't buy in, poof, you're gone. It seems like we've done some pretty good responsibility shifting. And I feel like we have shifted responsibility for evangelism and discipleship to a pastor on Sunday morning, which is very handy because then we can watch lots of TV and do lots of other things that are very distracting. Uh, but is that even the basics of a, of a New Testament uh, understanding? Uh, as a pastor, I had questions about inviting people to Jesus on Sunday mornings, because if I did that, did I take that opportunity and responsibility away from the people in our church? Uh, would I have been better to have some sort of altar call for our people to find somebody to go after and bring them to Jesus. Uh, I think we have it a bit backwards. We need to be careful about shifting our responsibility or say, well, I'm not an evangelist, so I think I'll just uh, skip on that. Nope. Let's uh, be friendly with our neighbors. Let's be friendly with our coworkers. Let's care, and we'll see things happen. 
It's cares what opens the door, not a great Bible knowledge. You can you can find answers to people's questions, but what they want is somebody that cares and will listen to their story before you share yours. And so that's a key. So how do we, the church, take this responsibility to share the gospel with others seriously, intentionally, and soberly without dumping it off on somebody else or a program or the youth group or something like that? Well, first, we pray. Second, we take the Gospels for today and not leave them as some history for 2,000 years ago. And if, if Jesus did it uh, and gave us an example and then says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, John twenty twenty one. then let's take this serious. Let's watch what Jesus did and then how it played out in the rest of the New Testament. Then we notice people Uh, somebody going through a divorce, uh, somebody who's hit bottom with alcohol, somebody who's just hurting, or just a nice guy who's just kind of lost his way. And we strike up a conversation, we care, we listen to their story. Hey, uh, um, you know, I noticed the other day something, something, something. uh, It reminded me of something I read in the Bible. Uh, uh, Tell me a little bit about your journey. It doesn't have to be religious-sounding, and you don't have to be a pro. In fact, people want authenticity more than they want professionalism. We just reach into people's lives and care. And as the conversation develops, people are interested in sharing about their views, and then (laughs) they need to listen to your view. It's just part of a relationship. And your view doesn't have to be dogmatic or forceful or pushy. It is, here's my experience, here's my story, now let's relate it to yours and talk some more. An ongoing relationship, though, that is what ex-Marine Bob gave you. In fact, he refused to let you go when you kept shooting him down or blowing him off about this Bible study he invited you to. And let's be Bobs in people's lives. Let's just stick with them. That neighbor, his lawnmower broke and he doesn't have a clue how to fix it. You go on over there and fix his lawnmower, help him out. And you'd be amazed at how lonely people are. They might be married. They might have kids. They might have a job. So lonely. Just want somebody to care about them. Just want somebody to know their name. When they find out God knows their name, oh my, here we go. I heard a recent tragedy about a former Miss USA lawyer, probably got her master's. She was a television correspondent on a show, and somehow she lost that hope. In her loneliness, in her despair, uh, it may have been at least partially triggered by attacks on social media. This woman with everything on paper going for her Mm. decided to enter her own life. And that grieves me to no end. So it's totally true. It doesn't matter what someone looks like. Everybody, to some degree, at some point or another, is lonely or has doubts or has questions of their own value, their self-worth. Mike, we're going in a different direction than maybe we thought, but the culture change that we're experiencing at this time, uh, post-COVID, COVID, COVID, post-COVID, whatever the mess is that we're in, the sociologists are telling us that Americans are the loneliest people of any segment in the world. We don't do relationships well. Uh, We don't do family well. Uh, and we don't feel cared about, when we come into somebody's life and actually cares, it rocks their world. And let's let's figure this out. As followers of Jesus, let's get in there and care. 
and stop being dogmatic and bossy and pushy and um, and let's not mix up far right or far left with the kingdom. We're here with kingdom purpose, kingdom opportunity, kingdom responsibility. We need to be careful to keep it focused on Jesus. I'm so glad you brought that up, Dr. Dave Metzger, because I personally believe that as an American, my dad fought in World War II, so many people gave up their rights, privileges, and safety so that we would have the freedoms that we have today that are so underappreciated. Okay. However, at the same time, yes, I should vote. I should look into things. I should be educated and informed about my community and my country. However, I really personally want the pulpit sticking to the Bible. Mm. I don't want someone going extreme one way or the other. I think we want to keep it about Jesus and about loving on people, about serving others, about just being authentic with them. And I believe that the political persuasions that are are preached can be dangerous and can be a distraction away from the Bible, taking away the authenticity that people are so looking for today. Mike, I just appreciate what you're saying. As we read through the New Testament, Jesus, Paul, the major leaders never came against Rome. They never called for a um, anything. It wasn't about Rome. It was about bringing in the kingdom in the midst of Rome. And we need to figure that out. And stop, stop railing against Rome and start praying sincerely, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that takes us back to caring. Preach it, Dr. Dave Metzger. <laughs> uh, I am guilty as charged, but I'm going to put this question out to all of our listeners. When's the last time you prayed to God, first of all, one-on-one in your relationship with Him? When is the last time you prayed for our governor? When is the last time you prayed for our president? Are we or are we not biblically called to do so, no matter how we voted? There it is. Just kind of thinking out loud here with Dr. Dave Metzger, who serves with Ministry Training Network. MinistryTraining.org is the website, and he has his own at DaveMetzger.com, which is spelled Dave, M-E-T-S-K-E-R.com. And when we return, Dr. Dave, can you tell us about calling to leadership development? More with Dr. Dave Metzger next on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and I love meeting guests who are doing things for the kingdom of God. And in this case, working alongside Ministry Training Network, we have Dr. Dave Metzger. And more information is available at his website, DaveMetzger.com, spelled Dave, M-E-T-S-K-E-R.com, as well as MinistryTraining.org. So, Dr. Dave, are there things that the modern church might be missing when it comes to calling to leadership development. Hmm. Mike, I had a quite an experience um, when I was at university studying uh, for the ministry. I um, was in a chapel, just kind of daydreaming. The speaker didn't uh, grab my attention. I'm a young man thinking about the future. And as I was thinking, a thought came into my mind cross-grained from anything that that I was thinking about that most and, and it was that most leaders develop followers 
And that's a very good thing. If we, if a leader develops 50 followers, he has uh, raised up 50 people. He has given them more to work. They're, they're better. And so for a leader to train up 50 followers is a great thing. But the thought that came to my mind, most leaders train up followers. But if you would, but if I would train up leaders, then how much more I would do. So if each of those leaders had 50 followers, just a minimum, uh, and, and there were 50 of those, well, that would be 2,500 people that I was influencing by developing leaders rather than followers. And actually, you know, the numbers are kind of silly. It's just you multiply when you develop leaders. Now we're back to Jesus. He made disciples. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, we are called to make disciples of every tribal group. Uh, Jesus in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. We know that we're to make disciples, but sometimes we miss the boat and we think, well, we should make church members or somehow people who know certain doctrines. But what Jesus did was trained up 12, and the focus was that they would be leaders. Uh, Of course, Judas Iscariot missed the boat, but those 11 went on in the New Testament not to just be nice guys, not to tell stories about uh, how wonderful Jesus was. They went on to be leaders. They went on to be leaders. And we have, we have fallen short in our discipleship if we're not, if we don't have a view of training, uh, often young men, young women, and even older to, to not only get a strong foundation, but be able to lead others into a strong discipleship that results in leadership too. What kind of leadership? Well, leadership of a small group, leadership of a ministry, leadership uh, of caring for the homeless here in our city. Leadership, not just followers. And so this impacted my life a great deal. So what prompted you more than anything else to realize that leadership and training others to be leaders is perhaps underemphasized in the modern church? Because I think so much of the time it's just all we got to do is get saved. Hmm. Or get uh, fill the pews or some people to put some money in the the basket or in the box in the back of the building uh that is not leadership development and therefore we suffer as a movement we have uh, millions of people on sunday morning if those people were mobilized to care for the poor to uh reach reach into unjust situations with the reality of Jesus, the church would not be looked at the way it is now uh, by the media. Your timing on this is impeccable because these are discussions that my church is having. These are discussions being had by my church right now. And one of the points that I had brought up was it seems like whether it's a mega church or a church plant, it really seems like the breakdown is 80-20. 80% of the work is done by 20% or less of the people. So how do we mentor leaders, not just people holding titles necessarily, yeah. but every single person walking into the church to want to lead? And leadership doesn't mean that you have to be Luis Palau or somebody. 
Yeah, leadership is influencing people to the next place. The metaphor of my uh, life is an, I invite people into the elevator of my life and I take them up. It's a pretty poor metaphor because I don't take them back down. We just keep going up. But uh, uh, maybe a spaceship or something would be a better metaphor. Uh, but I invite people in, take them up. You know, Mike, you reminded me of a, of a reality that we want to press, that everybody needs to have some people under them, people that they are mentoring, people that they're discipling, maybe two or three people that they're investing in. Then, uh, at, the, uh, then the, at, at our level, we need to have two or three friends that, are, that, are, that speak into our life from a peer level. And then every one of us needs to have two or three over us who mentor, who put into our life. And so we need to see those, uh, the under, beside, and over as a way of thinking, as a way of doing life. And I think we've, we've shifted that responsibility and said, well, the pastor is over and he feeds me. And if he doesn't feed well, I'll just go to a different church. What we need to do is take the responsibility for having people under us, beside us, and over us so that we grow and help other people grow. Um, this, is the, this is the Bible way. There's a pastor listening to this program at this moment. I love your analogy about discipleship having to be on different fronts. You need people to disciple. You need people alongside you, but you also do need people discipling you. Hmm. So in your many years— as a pastor, do you think the average pastor in the Pacific Northwest has a mentor or are there a lot of cowboys out there just kind of raging through life on their own without any accountability? Maybe people look up to them, but there's no one holding them accountable. Uh, I've been there. Uh, there have been times when I've had uh, men who were um, older. Sometimes they're younger, uh, somebody uh, that I might go for a run with. Uh, consistently, and as I uh, peer into their life, I gain things from them, even though they're younger. Then there are older men, but a lot of my uh, life has been without living mentors, men further along than me, uh, sometimes because of pride uh, or ego, sometimes because the distance to drive to be with them is too far, or the communication wasn't there. Now, more recently, communication is so much easier. We can Zoom, we can uh, phone. Um, w- what we need to do is remove uh, the excuses. Well, I'm that guy, he's further along than me. I could learn from him, but I don't want to take his time. I'm not really worth it. I'm not, I don't know that I'm up and running enough to get that guy to mentor me. We do have our excuses, and we do have our independent side. Well, I've been to Bible college. I've been to this or that. I know what I'm doing. I've read the Bible several times. Yeah, I've got this. Uh, and and we, we tend to uh, stop our growth, which means stuck. And stuck is a bad place to be. So how do we promote an urgency when it comes to discipleship? of discipling others, but also of being discipled. All we have to do is just look at our numbers. All we have to do is look at our finances or what, any of our numbers. They're all going down in so many cases. But once in a while we talk with somebody who's, who's on the up. But we, we need to realize we have a systemic misunderstanding in the church 
that the pastor does everything and we watch him. Uh, and that simplifies, but there's some truth to that. What we need now is to rally the people in our churches uh, by saying, yes, you can do this. Here's some simple tools. One of them is uh, Ministry Training Institute, which uh, gives them a foundation, a confidence to be able to go forward and do the stuff. Bring somebody to Jesus. Disciple them. Pray for a sick person to be healed. Uh, cast out a demon. Uh, none of these things are reserved for a select few. They're for all of us. So how do we as Christians get past the spectator mentality of just showing up and trying to live good lives, attend church, and try to be nice? What's going to challenge and fuel us? Mm. You know, Mike, the needs around us are so enormous. I suppose all we really need to do is open our eyes, see the tremendous needs, and then realize, yes, I have Jesus. I have a mountain-moving God, and I can help people. I can care. I can take people up in my elevator. I can, I can make a difference. Uh, just that simple self-confidence. And is it really all about us? Jesus is the one who, who me in the name of Jesus, we move mountains. Let's, just, let's get them moved. Let's get going. And so compassion comes easy when we see the tremendous need around us. 50% divorce rate, whatever it is, 40, 60. There's so many hurting people around us right now. We just, we just need to care. Great wisdom from Dr. Dave Metzger, missionary, church planter, pastor, professor, mentor. He serves the Ministry Training Institute, available at ministrytraining.org. That's Ministry Training. Dot O-R-G. Since his late 20s, Dr. Dave has passionately taken many opportunities to develop leaders for church planting, pastoring, cross-cultural work according to their God-given design, laying a foundation for spirit-formed leadership development. He earned a bachelor's degree in biblical studies from Oral Roberts University, then a master's of divinity degree and doctor of ministry degree from Fuller Seminary. He ran eight marathons and married his wife, Karen, who's been a teacher in several public schools, private schools, and churches. They've got two 20-something sons, Matthew and Michael. Focusing on leadership development, Dr. Dave served Foursquare Missions as the director of the Life Bible College of West Africa in Nigeria, then served as the regional overseer of Foursquare Churches in Africa for the next five years. Following that, he became a professor at Life Pacific College, which is now Life Pacific University in San Dimas, California, and continued teaching there for more than a decade. He planted a leadership development church that later became Glendora Foursquare Church in Glendora, California, birthing another church and several leaders who went on to plant churches and pastor on their own. Dr. Dave Metzger served as the pastor of discipleship at Mill Creek Foursquare Church in Linwood, Washington, and as the lead pastor of Foursquare Church in Crescent City, California, establishing institutes and mentoring leaders at both of them. He also ran in the 112-mile Wild Rogue Relay. He served at Canby Foursquare Church as the pastor of adult discipleship and then as the interim academic dean of Canby Bible College. And now he adventurously serves in the Ministry Training Network. And Dave, I want to thank you so much for what you've done to be a mentor to others, to tell us what we know about discipleship and where we need to improve. But I haven't yet asked you, where did you meet Karen? Where did you meet your wife? She was a part of uh, 
Pasadena Foursquare Church, and I was nearby at Altadena Foursquare Church, and we reconnected uh, at a meeting. Uh, we had we had crossed paths. Uh, she had been uh, in Moscow, Russia, as a school teacher, um, and we, uh, so we crossed paths, and something seemed right because both of us wanted to train up leaders. She had been in the public school system, private school, uh, and knew what it was to take people higher. And we worked together to uh, to train. We love it, and uh, we're still going for it. I love it. So congratulations on a successful marriage and raising two sons. Are they both strongly walking with the Lord today? Well, uh, strongly is a broad word. They're working on it, and I, we're, we're with them, and we're for them 100%. And they're, they're asking the hard questions like I did when I was their age, and I believe they're going to find the, the right answers. So to everyone out there, whether you're a denominational lead pastor or you host a community group, or maybe you're a parent or an assistant at a youth group Bible study, I salute you, and may you continue to mentor others. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to have a heart for those that you're serving and a love for God, and that'll come through in your actions. And you can certainly sharpen your skills by going to the website ministrytraining.org. That's ministrytraining.org. Dr. Dave Metzger, thanks so much for the time you've taken out of your busy schedule to share with us today. Is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout out to? Uh, I can't think of anybody right now. Just Mike, this has been great. Listeners, so glad to be with you. What a great time. Thank you so much. Let's go out there and as Dr. Dave Metzger said, let's make people feel cared about. Love on them as Jesus would. More information is available at DaveMetzger.com. That's Dave, M-E-T-S-K-E-R.com. And thanks so much for joining us on Difference Makers. Difference Makers.